Hey everybody! Hey guys! We're so excited to be recording this episode today. We asked you guys on Instagram for topic recommendations and we got a lot of really good recommendations. We're gonna keep them in mind for next episodes. episodes. (laughs) Yeah, but we have two here that were the most requested of us and I think that these are really great ones that you know we would love to talk about. So for this episode, we're going to be talking about misconceptions with emetophobia and then also some coping mechanisms we've learned along the way. Yeah, I feel like we couldn't come up with very many misconceptions. Maybe we just haven't had that many experiences where we had to deal with misconceptions, but... Yeah, we only have a few. If you guys have more misconceptions that we don't talk about, make sure to DM the Instagram page because we definitely want to know about them. It's just, I don't know, we just haven't dealt with that many, I guess. Or maybe this is there's just one misconception that people really I know. The biggest one that we found is when people are like, I don't like throwing up either. And it just kind of makes me roll my eyes. Yeah, when you talk to someone and you're explaining your fear and they're just like, oh, I don't like being sick either. And it's like, well, you know, mine's debilitating. And then yours is just like, I don't like it. No one likes being sick, obviously, but. Yeah, I know. I was telling Brooke earlier how I would explain to someone that I'm like actually scared of throwing up. Like it's a phobia. And they're like, oh, yeah, me too. I don't like it either. It's, you know, I'm scared too. And then a few days later, I see them on Snapchat at a party getting sick. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, getting alcohol poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so common. Even with, like, doctors and therapists and such, I've had a doctor. My doctor that I've seen since I was, like, a newborn, um, when I first explained emetophobia to her, she was like brushed it off and she was like yeah you know that's normal whatever I was like no that's literally what my anxiety is centered all around so it happens all the time and didn't you literally get diagnosed with GERD and you don't even have it (laughs) oh yeah and the miss the the misdiagnosis whatever that's called yeah I got diagnosed with GERD when I first found out about my emetophobia because my doctor was like there's no other reason and then a couple Years later, recently, like a couple weeks ago, my doctor was like, oh, how's your GERD been? And I'm like, well, I don't I don't have GERD. You know, I told you that, but <laughs> she even gave me medicine and everything. People just don't really understand like the extent of it, I guess, you know, even doctors and therapists. And they think it's not as debilitating as it really is. Like, how exactly. can you and how can your whole life revolve around trying not to throw up? You know, honestly, it. It is like a really, it is a really weird fear. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's not, it's common, but it's also hard for other people to understand. I remember when we first started talking, someone mentioned like, oh, it's kind of the same as like being scared of, I don't know, um, going on a walk, you know, it's like a daily thing or maybe scared of like going number three. (laughs) And for us, it's like, that's easy, whatever, that's normal. But then for other people, they may be terrified of it, you know? Yeah. Or like of sneezing. Oh, yeah. Or (laughs) we were talking about hiccuping the other day. Some people, that's a trigger for some people with emetophobia. But then for us, it's so normal, hiccuping. I know. I'm like, I hate hiccuping because I feel like I can't breathe. But 
I'm not really. It doesn't make us feel sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I know that's I know that's a trigger for a lot of people or for some yeah. people. I've heard of that before. Yeah, and another misconception that I feel like people with emetophobia have, even of themselves, is that if their emetophobia doesn't look the same as like the standard, I guess, person with emetophobia, then they don't have it. Which isn't true. Oh, yeah. Like for example, let's say someone is only scared of seeing someone else get sick and they're not scared of themselves getting sick, they would think, oh, I don't have emetophobia. But really, you know, emetophobia is just anything to do with being scared of throw up. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I know I mentioned this in, I don't remember which episode I mentioned it in, but literally you can be scared of throw up in the instance that you don't want to see it on TV and like you'll it will send you into a panic attack but you can do it yourself you can see other people do it whatever that's still like a form of emetophobia it's literally all the same thing yeah there's some people that you know aren't scared of throwing up from alcohol but they're scared oh, yeah, of I've like heard of a that. stomach bug so i've had people dm the instagram page saying that that they drink alcohol themselves and it's almost like a coping mechanism for them because it like takes yeah. them out of reality. But obviously, you know, if you drink too much alcohol, at some point you're going to get sick from it or drinking certain like vodka or tequila or something like that. But yeah, I mean, that really just shows how everybody is different and everybody, you know, deals with their fear differently and it affects everybody differently. So it does. Yeah, everyone has a different fear and that does not mean you're any less than or that your fear is not valid. I do want to make that like a big point. It's that doesn't mean anything. And I know that's a huge misconception. I've been asked so many times, is my or do I have emetophobia because of this or this, this? Yeah, it's all the same thing as long as it's debilitating in one way or another. You know, I think this is also a misconception with just any any fear or phobia is like the difference between being scared of something and it being a phobia. You know, there's oh, yeah. there's a difference. For example, I'm scared of spiders, but it's not a phobia for me. I don't It doesn't control your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't understand that difference. My mom told me that she doesn't like being sick, but she knows it's not a fear and she like explained that to me. She's like, Your your fear is legit because you it's debilitating for you. It literally affects every day. You can't even leave the house at this point. I was like, Okay, that's or that's a good way to distinguish the two. My boyfriend, he, you know, he throws up more often than the normal person because he just <laughs> has like a sensitive stomach. But he, you know, of course he doesn't like throwing up, but he's not scared of it. And he, he's like, if I'm going to throw up, I'm going to throw up and it's whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, I wish I could be like that. Yeah, I know. It would make my life so much easier. It's so different. It's seriously, I sometimes when I'm having anxiety or like I feel sick, I'll literally walk around and then look at other people and be like, okay, they feel normal. Like, why am I the one feeling sick? There's no way that I'm the one that's feeling sick right now. I know. And, you know, I'm looking at other people. Yeah, I see other people and I'm like, wow, they're probably like never nauseous. I know I did the same thing. I didn't know that was normal all the time, every day. I literally asked my dad, and I'm like, "When was the last time you were nauseous?" He's like, "It's been a long time." 
Yeah, I was talking to my mom about this, and she was like, she was like, I think you just notice every time you feel sick. And she said that for her, whenever she feels sick, it doesn't really cross her mind. Her body just takes care of it. So like, unless she like really felt sick, then she wouldn't even notice that she feels sick unless she yeah. thought about it. Or like, so she- her stomach feels off of any kind. Because we, yeah, if our stomach feels the little, littlest bit off. We like it's a big it. deal. I remember when was it the other day? You were like, "My throat feels weird." <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. It's like, why does why does our throat feel weird? That happened to me too. I got a cold, so I had like a little bit of a sore slash like grossish throat feeling, and I was like, "Oh, this sucks." I'm. It feels so gross. If I feel like I'm gonna throw up, and it's like, no, I have a cold. Those don't yeah. associate. Yeah. In any way. Like, just because my throat hurt do- hurts doesn't mean I'm going to throw up. It doesn't make I any know. sense. <laughs> any feeling, immediately, it just associates with that. But that brings us to coping mechanisms for when we get into those states, the state of minds. Yeah, and, you know, I think different coping mechanisms are used for different situations. For example, sometimes you would use a coping mechanism for when you're having an active panic attack, and sometimes you would use a different one for, you know, the what-if thoughts and all the negative thoughts that you're having in your head. Some help for... Different things. Yes. Yeah, getting those negative thoughts, they're like anxious thoughts that can lead up to a panic attack. And ideally, if we can cancel that, stop that from happening, that would be the best, the best situation. But different things lead to different things. Yeah, sometimes it's really hard to stop a panic attack when it, you know, when it first starts Starting happening. To develop. Yeah, and it's not as bad. But if you can do that, then it's really helpful because once you're already in a full-blown panic attack, it's so much harder to stop and to settle yourself down. So yeah, sometimes when you're just having negative thoughts, those are the times that you need to be using some coping mechanisms not just when you're having like a full-blown panic attack. Yeah. And a lot of people, I mean, I've had therapists even say like, just ignore them, like completely don't even acknowledge them. I know everyone's different, but for me personally, I have to acknowledge those thoughts or else subconsciously my mind will literally just cycle, go into a crazy cycle and I'll literally have a panic attack. So these are, these are what we came up with. (laughs) What's your biggest coping mechanism, Maddie? I feel like I have so many. Um, The first one that I use a lot is distraction. That is mainly for when I'm having those negative thoughts, when I'm having those, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? It doesn't really work as much when I'm having a panic attack, but distraction is really good because obviously, just like it sounds, it distracts your brain from the thoughts that you're having. So, I like to listen to audiobooks and podcasts and, you know, watch TV shows. And it really helps a lot if I'm also doing something like with my hands. So I'm focused on two separate things at one time because then there's like no room for my brain to be thinking about these negative thoughts that I'm having. I have this app on my phone called Color by Number and I really like it because you know, I don't have to think about what I'm doing so I can listen to, you know, a podcast or audiobook and do that while I'm listening. And 
yeah, like Brooke said, it just uses up two senses. So it's more, you're just more focused on these two things than you are on your negative thoughts. I do the same thing. I have an app called 2048 and... Oh, I love that game. Yeah, I'll just like, whenever I'm feeling anxious, I'll just play that game and then I'll be like maybe talking to my mom or something like that. Just literally as distracted as I can get, just yeah, put everything on me. That game is good too because you have to like kind of think about what you're doing. What you're doing, yeah, because it adds up. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally my go-to, my go-to app. But just having like games or something that you can do even Maddie mentioned um getting like a coloring book and I know that's actually really common with anxiety but yeah. getting like a coloring book and just filling it out can not only help your anxiety and your panic attack but it can also just make you feel good in general like you're yeah it's just calming I don't yeah. know so Brooke what is your favorite coping mechanism um my go-to is affirmations like self-talk my mom has always stressed the importance of that so I think that's why it is for me such a big coping mechanism but just like whenever I'm feeling anxious and this can even be like when I'm in a full-blown panic attack just reminding myself that I'm okay I've been through this before all of that sort of stuff constantly reminding myself that yeah and I think another thing that's really important with that is You know, this may not work for everybody, and I know it's hard, but kind of accepting that if I'm going to throw up, I'm going to throw up, but I'm going to be okay. Mm Mm-hmm. That was, like, that was the biggest obstacle for me to overcome, and it literally took me, like, five years, but now I'm kind of, I'm kind of there. I'm kind of at that point where it's like, okay, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. Like, obviously, we don't want it to happen, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, but we're going to be okay. Like we were talking about in the last episode, it's not going to last forever. You know, I think that we'll just be stronger at the end of it, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) And that's coming from someone who's never even like thrown up. I haven't thrown up since I was like seven years old. So I don't know what to expect, but I'm not setting myself into those crazy panic attacks anymore that often. You know, of course, it still happens. Just affirmations. Anything when whenever you're feeling anxious, just affirmations. And that's another thing. Like when I'm at work and I start to feel nauseous, I'll literally tell myself I'm allowed to feel nauseous and I'm also allowed to keep working while feeling nauseous. Like that's that's normal. And then most of the time it just passes within like an hour or something. But our main thing with emetophobia is like the fight or flight response. So when we feel nauseous, we immediately either want to fight it or leave the situation and just coming to terms with like no it's okay to literally just take a second breathe and recognize that it's okay to feel this way and it's so easy for us to go into a spiral and you know if we're nauseous we'll we'll be thinking and we'll be like oh my gosh I'm gonna throw up and it's gonna be the worst thing ever it's gonna be the end of the world I'd rather just die and all those things but those kind of are just enabling your anxiety even more And I think the best way to combat that is to just, like I said earlier, if I throw up, I'm going to be okay. It's not going to last forever. I'll get through it. I'm strong. I can do this. It is what it is. And I think, obviously, that is very, very hard to do and to accept. But even if you don't believe it, I think it's really important to tell yourself that because eventually you will believe it. 
Yeah, I, I literally started doing affirmations back when I first found out I had emetophobia, which was like seven years ago. And I maybe like a year ago, I started to actually like believe them and figure out like what exactly works for me within that. It's all all about figuring out what works for you. And for me, I like to put my trust in something else. So I'm a religious person. So I always put my trust into God. But if you're not, you can literally just be like, nope, I'm going to put my trust in the world or I'm going to put my trust in my own body and out of my mind. Like trust is somewhere else and just trust it. Just trust everything will be okay because it will be, you know. Yeah. And your body is only going to do what it needs to do to keep you alive and healthy. So, you know, your body is your body is protecting you in whatever way it needs to. And again, that's scary because, you know, we don't want to throw up and we're so scared, but your body knows what it's doing. Yeah, it's not. It's not the end of the world. I know it feels like that, but it's not. It's it's protecting ourselves. <laughs> yes. The next few coping mechanisms we have are pretty basic ones, but we both feel like they're so important and we use them almost every day. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every day. <laughs> like gum, water. and Yeah, we're always chewing gum. All of that. Yeah. I think... You know, always having water with you. Me personally, I can only drink ice cold water. But, you know, drink whatever water you like. Just sipping on water. For me, if I like chug water or any liquid, really, I will get nauseous. So. Oh, yeah, me too. Definitely don't do that. But Brooke uses like ginger candies. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people actually use this with emetophobia. Um, but just like little ginger candies or anything to do with ginger because ginger helps calm the stomach in the first place. And then it also kind of just, I don't know, putting something in my mouth and chewing it like gum, something that I'm not having to digest for some reason that helps my anxiety or it like, it uses one of my other senses, my other senses. (laughs) So my eyes, my fingers, and then my mouth. I don't know, but ginger helps a lot too yeah I never really got into ginger I just don't like how spicy it is but it is really spicy I don't know they have some good ones they have some you have to be picky about that because some of it you have to let me know it no some of it actually like makes my eyes teary because it's so spicy sometimes when I eat it I'm my mind is going into those negative thoughts and the spiciness from the ginger will literally distract my mind Because I'm having to focus on the intense feeling of ginger, you know? So that that also helps in a way. My therapist actually told me, I mean, a few of my therapists throughout the years, but they have told me that your brain can't think about and process two, like, big feelings at once. So if you are having a panic attack and you, for example, get into a cold shower, your brain is going to be so focused on how cold you are that you're not going to be thinking about, oh, what if I throw up? And your panic Mm -hmm. is going to go away. So I do that sometimes. It's miserable, but it really does help. Also getting a bowl of ice water and, you know, putting your face in there for like 10 seconds. Another thing that my mom actually always told me about when I was young is whenever I'm starting to feel like a certain way that I don't want to be feeling like anxious or nauseous I can just pinch my arm and 
it will obviously, you know, distract my mind to that feeling because it hurts so bad. And I know that, you know, it kind of sounds bad because it's associated with self-harm in a way, but, you know, it's very different. It's not. I actually, when I was in like middle school and early high school, I used to cut myself and I went to therapy and my therapist told me that I should put a rubber band on my wrist and pull it back and let go and let it hit my wrist because it still gives that same sensation kind of of you know pain so that it distracts your brain from whatever thoughts or feelings that you're having and it's obviously not actually harming you so if any of you guys deal with self-harm definitely try those because you know self-harm is isn't good and you want to stir away from that as much as you can and also if you guys are feeling that way don't don't be afraid to reach out to us we try and check the DMs pretty often. So let us know yeah. if you ever need someone to talk to. We're, we'll be there for you. Yes. Another thing that Brooke and I do when we are feeling anxious is talking to somebody. Even if that person doesn't even have a metaphobia, sometimes it's so nice to just get out how you're feeling so that you're not holding it in. Yeah, so calling a friend or calling a family member, for me personally, my biggest support system is my mom or my boyfriend. So literally just calling them and having them reassure you or honestly just talking to someone in the first place, distracting our minds in a way. It's almost like playing the game, you know, just distraction. But I know sometimes if I'm anxious and I tell my boyfriend I'm anxious, well, usually he asks me like, what what can I help you with? Because sometimes I want to, you know, cuddle or, you know, have a hug or something and that helps. But sometimes I just don't even want to be touched. I don't, mm-hmm. you know. So he asks me what I need and that's really helpful because every time it's different. But he also, sometimes just having a separate conversation about something that doesn't even have anything to do with anxiety or throwing up just really helps because again it's distracting Mm -hmm. also I've been asked a few times we actually have quite a few people that follow the Instagram page that follow the page because they have a family member a close family member a significant other that has emetophobia so we definitely need to make an episode about how to support someone with emetophobia yeah we do We'll definitely make an episode. We'll put that on our list. Yeah. If you're someone who follows the page because of a significant other, a family member, a child, we'll dive deeper into that in another episode. Yeah. Because. And if you are somebody that, again, like Brooke said, follows the page because someone they know has emetophobia, definitely DM us and let us know what you do to help. Yes. But yeah, just talking to a family or friend. I know that helps me a lot. I've, I remember one time I was having a panic attack driving home and I literally just called my mom and she like guided me through that panic attack until I got home. And I don't know, that just helps so much. Also getting some fresh air, going on a walk or just sitting, you know, on your deck or outside somewhere because that really helps. And I feel like when I have a panic attack and I'm indoors Sometimes it's just even more suffocating. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
This is one of my biggest ones for when I'm in that severe panic attack mode. Literally just going on a walk and distracting myself. I don't know. I can't stay still when I'm in that mode. I'm I'm going crazy. My mind is doing a million things at once. Yeah, I think you told me before about one time it was like midnight and you went out on a walk around your oh, block. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I live with my boyfriend and we were in an apartment and it was like it was like midnight and I started to have a really bad panic attack. So I put on a pair of sweats and literally did a, a walk around my block because I was so anxious and I needed to get out. <laughs> but it yeah, worked. I couldn't do that because I'm so scared of getting kidnapped. But I know it it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of scary and stupid on my part, but I mean like you know when you're in that mode you're just like it's the fight or flight, you know. You, you yeah, it's straight. like I'll do whatever I can do. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that was something else. <laughs> <laughs> the last coping mechanism that I have is very, I feel like, cliche, and something that everybody says, but breathing, deep oh, breaths, slow breaths, and you know, for a while I was like, no, this doesn't work. And it didn't. I hated it. And I felt like this is just a waste of time. It's not doing anything for me. Until I had a therapist that recommended this app. It's called Breathe to Relax. And the two is like the number two. And it has background noises of whatever you want it to be. You know, the ocean, birds, rain, whatever. And it literally just counts down your inhales and exhales and for some reason this app I mean I know that there's YouTube videos of like breathing exercises but for some reason this app really worked for me better than those and I think it's because when I'm breathing and I'm really anxious my thoughts are still going to my anxious thoughts Mm -hmm. on this app I can like fully listen and focus on the sounds that it's making and you know I really like the ocean one I can really focus on those sounds and focus on my breath and that really helps for me so again the app is called breathe to relax the two is the number two and it's free and there's also you know YouTube videos yeah I'll have to check out that app I'm not a big deep breather um, for the same reasons, I don't know, my mind just goes. And sometimes I don't, sometimes if I feel like it kind of makes my na- nausea worse, that could just be all in my head, honestly. But I definitely need to check out that app. Yeah, usually I just like lay down or sit up, whatever I'm feeling. But mm-hmm. I close my eyes and I just focus just on do what it says. Yeah. yeah. I know I've mentioned on the page before the meditations on YouTube, like there's an anti-nausea meditation on YouTube that I listen to every now and then. And it kind of gives us the same thing, except it's like a guided meditation. But just even listening to those sometimes, it all helps in the same way. All does the same stuff. And for me, when I'm breathing, I really focus on my breathing. And I, when I'm breathing out and I'm exhaling, I really try to release all the tension in my body and just Mm -hmm. fully relax my body because when we're panicking we're all tense we're shaking we're you know our heart's beating so fast the thing that helps with breathing a lot is it slows down your heartbeat and that will help 
you know, regulate your body and let your body come back to a normal state. Mm -hmm. And one thing that a lot of meditations mention is when you're deep breathing, they say to think of letting all of the negative thoughts and the negative feelings go out when you're releasing your breath too. And like when you're inhaling, it's all new thoughts. It's all positive stuff. But yeah, if you want to listen to those, I can DM me and I can send you guys some links to the meditations off of YouTube that I listen to or, you know, the app that Maddie mentioned. What's it called again? I forgot. It's called Breathe to Relax. And the two is the number two. Breathe to Relax. I think that's all of the coping mechanisms that we have or the main coping mechanisms that work for us. Is there any more that you have, Maddie? No, I can't think of any more. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton more that I've tried, but these are the main ones that work for us. And again, everybody is different. What works for me may not work for Brooke. What works for Brooke may not work for me. So I recommend just trying them out and seeing how they work for you. And we will post a story on the Instagram page of like the Q&A thing. And you guys can share your coping mechanisms that work for you. And we will share them so that you guys can have some more recommendations and things to try and then we'll do the same thing with misconceptions I know I'm interested to see if other people have other misconceptions because I mean we were literally thinking about this for a couple hours trying to come up with more but couldn't really think of anything else maybe we just haven't really had bad experiences but yeah I know that there are definitely more misconceptions out there so let us know for sure anyway I think that's it Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this third episode. Yes, thank you so much. We will talk to you guys next time. And we really hope you loved all these recommendations that we have for you guys. Yeah. We'll see you guys next Monday. Bye. Bye.